0: Everyone, welcome to Association Rockstars, where we hear about the journeys and insights of some amazing association executives and partners who are building the industry of tomorrow. My name is Lowell Applebaum. I'm the CEO of Vistacova, where we partner with associations on strategy, visioning, and governance. And it is my absolute pleasure to have with us today Dresden Ferrand, MPA, MPP, CAE. Uh, Dresden is the Chief Executive Officer of the American Water Resources Association where she is using her talents and expertise to make innovative and strategic changes to AWRA's 58-year-old association business model. Her other association successes include building programs and services, increasing membership, component relations, and fostering high-performing teams to put members at the center of their work. Dresden, we're so happy to have you with us today.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. This is exciting.
0: I, I feel the same exact way. Great. So we always like to start with a very similar question. We think that uh, we have rock stars on and that you're a rock star because you do things amazingly well. And so of the places where you have talent, we would love to know what is one of your superpowers? What's one of your amazing skill sets that you find that you've grown or were born with or bring to the table?
1: Oh, that's great. I've been so excited to answer this question because um, I've watched other people <laughs> answer this question. And it really does kind of make you think. So what I ended up coming up with was I'm really good, right? Maybe something I was born with at turning things around, right? In an association way. So I've um, gone into um, my past um, employment opportunities where I've been tasked to do something that's really difficult, hasn't been done, or got broken along the way. And I'm really good at coming in and um, assessing where we're at, figuring out what broke, how it was broke, but also knowing that if you're gonna build something new or you're gonna rebuild something, you need to have a really good foundation. So I'm good at putting that foundation together, right? Like what are, what are the resources we need? Who are the people that need to be there at the table? Um, and all of those pieces to make something grow. So I remember one year I was at ASAE and I got, you know, I went to the ribbon bar and I was really kind of feeling this, right? This sort of turn thing around. And I got the little thing that said growth hacker and I put that on my badge because I, I really felt like, you know, I had had a really good run at, at building things and yeah. turning things around. Yeah.
0: So when you think about building things, do you find that you approach that from a place of like knowing the end in mind you're trying to get to or just recognizing the potential and see what emerges?
1: I think it's a I think it's a combination of both, but I definitely think having the vision at the end. And I also think the unique piece about associations in this is that often you're carrying out the vision of your board or your volunteers. And I think that's the part I get really excited about, um, particularly like work in component relations, right? When you're working with different 501 C3 or C6 organizations and you know every section or component is gonna be a bit different what is that vision that you're trying to come to together, right, from a component relations standpoint of your component in your national office, and then what are you trying to grow locally? And I've been, I think that's part of my favorite work in association space is working with components and membership. I love that work. I'm a CEO now, and I frankly, I miss that, <laughs> um, that part a lot, and maybe one day I'll even go back, but um, it, it is having that vision at the end, and then also putting the, what, what, what are the other people that need to be at that table? What is their vision and how do you execute that for them? And how are you, how are you making sure that you're aligned and you're all going the right way in terms of, you know, what, what that strategy is together. So yeah, it's exciting.
0: You know, as someone else who's also, uh, has a past with component relations and membership and, uh, passionate about it as well, it's often can be so many different voices and perspectives. And so, as you're thinking about, I mean, you just identify in your answer these different stakeholders at different times that like you want to include them in that vision. How do you approach asking for and hearing all these different perspectives, uh, either from your current leadership role or how you've approached it in the past?
1: Yeah, it's you know one of the first things I always try and do is just a really good listening campaign, and I think it's true. And wherever you are in in um, in your position, in association, if you're as a servant leader and in, in association management, you really have to understand your stakeholders and then understand the nuances, right, with your leadership and your and your volunteers. So I think that's that's really important. Another piece is um, negotiation strategies, right? That's something that. I think I I still am learning to do better now in my CEO role, but you really have to understand how to negotiate with with people, particularly understanding their like emotional intelligence in a situation, um, understanding what is um, some of the cultural aspects of of your leadership or what are the political dynamics at play Uh, within your members or volunteers and so there yeah there's a lot of those 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 pieces but I think negotiation is a really big skill set to hit because what you're trying to do is build consensus and um, sometimes you can't do that among the masses but you have to be able to do that among the key stakeholders so you know that you're going all in the right place and direction together
0: the the negotiations an interesting aspect of it right like the the balancing of voices the balancing of perspectives do you find that you have a, a role as master negotiator as a CEO often.
1: <laughs> I'm finding that it is a place that I have to um, find more more my footing in and develop more confidence in. Um, this is my first time CEO role, and you know what I what I realized. Coming from the component relations and membership. I mean, I'm just naturally a people person, right? And I want to serve yeah, my yeah. members. I want everyone to, to have a great time and to um, and to celebrate our success. And just, you know, I'm a glass half, you know, full type of person. Um, in my role now, it's still the same, but it's different because there's a lot of dynamics of this particular type of leadership role that are really about um, policies, practices, procedures. Again, what are some of the political, um, you know, nuances of the board of the organization, particularly with uh, science and engineering associations that have a long history, you know, sixty years. Yeah, and so you have to go into that looking at things from from a very broad view, right? Where you where where you need to take this organization long term, but also, um, you know, how do you negotiate all of those different personalities and those different. Um, needs and wants of, of your stakeholders.
0: You know, they, there's an like ongoing element in what you're saying goes back to listening again, it sounds like in terms of negotiation to understand that. A moment ago, you mentioned the idea of like when you start doing a listening tour. I'm wondering your thoughts on that? Like we're in, in this post pandemic world where there's stuff going back live, where there's stuff virtual, as you think about like that meaningful listening you get when you go around and visit members or visit leaders. What do you think that looks like in the coming years? Do you think it's still all on yeah. site? Do you think it can be done on Zoom? What's your perspective?
1: That, that is going to be critical for, for leaders today, is to make sure that you are listening not only to your members and your volunteers, but also to your staff. You know, when I think about nonprofits and associations today in this COVID next time period, you know, you it is not a play, it is not a time and place to make really quick decisions about your organization? Are we? Go- are our events going to be hybrid? Are our, our staff, are we going to all force them back into the office after they've been out of the office for 18 months and have been just as productive, if not more? You know, these are very big decisions that associations, um, that people of associations are still needing to make. And we thought it was exhausting 18 months ago when we had to make really tough decisions um, around pivoting, I know people don't like that word, but frankly I do, in the time of COVID. Um, and that that hasn't ended, right? I still have several major decisions that are that are all about being in the uh, post pivot um, or post-COVID uh, era that, that I'm making now. Yeah. And so listening, I think is absolutely critical. We've experienced so much disruptions. Actually I've been calling it droughts of disruptions, right? Um, when you think about where we're at. Um, so, you know, we talk about a lot about disruptions and associations, but if you think about the, our last 18 months, we've had a disruption in our culture. We've had a direct, direct disruption in, in race relations in this country, socioeconomic, um, you know, issues, our politics, you know, um, and of course the pandemic, right. um, which has now forever changed our workplace environment and culture. So when you talk about, you know, disruptions in the association space. It's not like five years ago when we're talking about all this new technology that came in. No, we just, we kind of just had our life and moment blown up, right? And we're putting it all back together. And so, you know, this notion of making sure that you've got your ear to the ground and you're, you don't miss any of your stakeholders is absolutely critical because things will never go back to what they what they were before. But how you define it and how much time you give yourself to define it is critical.
0: I mean, in that face of disruptions and currently going through it, how has that changed you as a leader, right? Have you acquired new skills? Do you have new strengths? Did you identify places you
1: needed to get strength? Like what, how has it shifted? Oh, wow, so so much, absolutely. Um, There's a lot for me that I I had to develop a, a, a quick level of confidence that I didn't even know I could do, right? You, you, you are a leader today. You may not be a leader of that you want to be tomorrow until you have the experience, you have that experience under your belt, right? But what I realized is that I was leading a board, I was leading a staff in a time of just critical chaos for us. Mm-hmm. And I needed to show up as that leader who was confident, who was strong, who you know, had, had the ideas, Um, knew the questions that were going to be asked before they were asked it and already had a plan. Just be extremely solution-oriented and, you know, I'm from a science and engineering association and, and a lot of boards are like this too, but, you know, you get into data paralysis when you're having to make a lot of really tough decisions, particularly about investments or money. It's very hard for board members as everyday volunteers, to wrap their head around having to make these decisions in very little time and very little information. And so I was the person, like there's the fear and then there's me and then there's moving on. So we can move on. And um, I I just, you know, maybe I faked it till I made it, you know, made it, you know, kind of thing. But I really did have to draw on that confidence. I had to be really strategic about being solution oriented. Um, I also think it allowed me to realize some areas where I really needed to grow, right? Um, This was, uh, I often talk about having the imposter syndrome, right, as a new CEO, as a young female, as an African-American. And I always had that going into even the interview processes for, for being a CEO. So that I found myself in this situation where I needed to be the best and most strategic and most brilliant leader for these people in this moment of chaos, and I got to pull it off, pull it off, despite my incredible amount of insecurities. Um, and I, I, I did that. I did that, you yeah. know, but it, it was hard. It was really hard.
0: I mean, your capacity to do that, I and mean, we all learn throughout our life, as you look, as you think about sort of your early career, or even your schooling before it, mm-hmm. what parts of who you are as a leader today, do you feel like you were born with, or were there early on? Like what what were parts of your, the, the early Dresden? If the early Dresden. What did we see?
1: Well, I definitely have always been, um, I've always been really strong and I, I've always been confident. Mm-hmm. And I always knew from, you know, early in my life that, you know, I was going to, you know, accomplish something or, or at least, you know, be just as fantastic as my parents. You know, I was raised by two... Um, African Americans who grew up poor, and they used education as their, you know, foundation and their strength to overcome, you know, their their childhood and their backgrounds. And so to have parents that are, you know, the the, you know, the first at everything, right? My parents were like the first African American this, the first African, you know, first at so many things. It's ridiculous. That that created a lot of pressure. But it also was that's a huge role model for me. And I was grew up so proud of my parents that I wanted to be just like them. I wanted to be accomplished. So I always, I always knew those, those strengths about me that I had. I think what I didn't count on was when I got into leadership positions, I didn't realize I was gonna feel as much insecurities as I as I did. Um, particularly, you know, um, you know, moving into moving to DC and Doing more association management work, I was very much um, really always the only, the, the minority on the team. And when I started advancing in associations, um, I was always the only um, in terms of the, the manager level or the department team lead. And that was, that was hard. It, it's hard being the only. You don't realize, you don't, you don't realize how that impacts you until you have and, until you have certain moments. Right. Um, and then you're kind of almost afraid of being brave because you're uh, all afraid of, how are people gonna react to me? Are people gonna stereotype me? I'm an angry black woman because I have a different opinion than the group. You know, all these little things, all these voices in your head come up um, and it's, um, it, it's it can be deafening. And so I, in the last couple of years, I, I've definitely done a lot more work on myself in, turn, in terms of just like building up my, my insecurities and, and my confidence. You
0: know? You know, it sounds like important work to do and that your organizations have benefited from it and clearly you have strong voices of a leader now strategic integrating listening others that are uh, tuning in and listening in as they are perhaps on their own leadership journeys to becoming rock stars as you think about what's needed in the coming years someone who's uh, more aspiring where would you tell them to focus in terms of like what skill sets or expertise to gain
1: so, um, what what skill sets or expertise to gain as they look into yeah, kind of a post post COVID, you know, I would say understanding um, technology and the cost yeah. of what you may need in the future is absolutely critical. Um, we we <laughs> I think we demoed over thirty different technology um, platforms and programs. You know, mobile apps. I mean, my gosh, mobile apps today are not what they were even three years ago. Um, in terms of how you can generate real revenue but you, you really have to become very tech savvy um, uh, in, in as association leaders today kind of regardless of what role you are, if you're even a part of the decision or going to be someone that um, sits on those demo groups, um, those types of things you really need to know what you're doing And you need to understand that even though you get a demo done and you're looking at different technologies for investment, your questions are never going to be answered in that in that one that one time or even like two events later. So we, you know, we had two national events um, at my organization and I'm still finding out things the platform could could do like two events later, like a year later, (laughs) you know? So it's just, it's it's overwhelming. And I, you know, you have to be patient with yourself, but post-COVID means for me that, you know, at at least at my association, we're going to be really looking at technology um, and really looking at the investment of that. So for anyone who's feeling insecure about technology or advancing it or implementing it, you gotta get over that.
0: Yeah, I think that's a a great tangible place to focus, but in terms of like being able to bring the right conversations to the table, I could easily see how that could help accelerate someone's career and own personal growth. Time goes by quickly. Uh, I can't believe we're almost at the end. So I at least wanna ask this, as you think about far, far, far into the future uh, and you reflect back on the career you've had and the impact you've been able to make, what's the legacy that you want to leave
1: behind someday? Oh, I like that question. Um, I think the legacy I'd like to leave behind is that I helped other people accomplish their vision and their goals and their dreams, particularly related back to um, component relations and membership. Yeah. I mm-hmm. love that when we work with volunteers, you know, at the local level, at the national level, it's it's really about building something, right? It's starting that nonprofit, that component, it's building up programs and events, education, content um, for those local members. And I know that, you know, in, in the you know, 17 years I've been doing this work, I've had the opportunity to be a part of all these all these growth moments, right? All these right. different programs. And so you're impacting people's lives. You're impacting the way that they learn and they, they grow professionally. And I love that work. And so that if there's any legacy I want to leave behind is that I was just a small part of some of those things that happened along the way that hopefully continue to happen long, long after I'm gone.
0: Well, you've definitely uh, planted some of those seeds for the future today. Really appreciate you coming on spending a little bit of time with us Dresden.
1: Hey, thank you for having me, Lowell.
0: And thank you to Amy Hager, who's helping make sure that, that you're chatting in the Facebook chat, on the YouTube, and on all the amazing platforms. And to everyone tuning in, we are building a better association world together. And Hopefully, Rockstars is just another place of inspiration to help you join in to building the tomorrow we want to see. Until next time, Association Rock Off.